Hey everybody, let me tell you really quickly where I'm going with this and then I'll get on with the content. So this is Pyramids and Trees, Attachment, Addiction, Empire, and a Nation Bursting Forth. And so what I'm doing through this podcast is reading through chapter by chapter. The chapters are extremely short. So this book is at pyramidsandtrees.com. You can read it there. It's got a lot of comics in it, a lot of visuals. I would encourage you to go check that out over there. But if you're an audio type of person, I'm going to do my best to talk through the book. Some of it I will just ad-lib as I'm reading along because that's the way I wanted to do this. So uh, since the chapters are so short, I'm going to do the next few chapters today. And I have to warn you, it is quite depressing. But I promise the whole book, it may get depressing, but it's not a depressing ending. So here we go. Within. So the world is pretty whack. But that's not a newsflash, is it? Regardless, I'm here to insist that it's more messed up than you think. And to tell you how it got that way, and surprisingly, that it isn't going to end this way. So let's start here. The world is awesome. On one hand, what humanity has accomplished this past century is mind-numbing. Sometimes I feel like we should just give the human race a giant trophy. We made a world where you can sit on your couch and say, Alexa, order me a bag of unicorn farts and they will magically show up at your door. One of the most hopeful signs of life on Earth. It's a world where you can go 500 miles per hour in comfy chairs and giant metal tubes 40,000 feet in the sky while people deliver you pretzels and ginger ale. We have the best teachers, doctors, engineers, singers, sports teams, carpenters, and programmers ever. For God's sake, my eyelid surgeon goes to eyelid surgery conventions and drinks cocktails with other eyelid surgeons. We, this bunch of overgrown apes, just put a space probe on a comet. Somebody raise a glass to humans. Statistics prove that we are globally safer, healthier, longer living, less violent, more prosperous, better educated, and more tolerant than ever. But statistics also say we are more lonely, more depressed, more anxious, and more suicidal than ever. One columnist wrote, This offers much evidence that the world, our feelings notwithstanding, is definitely getting better. (laughs) Wait a minute. Our feelings notwithstanding? So apparently everything is awesome until you factor in those damn humans and their pathetic feelings? The world's a giant party for humans, except deep down, most humans feel like this party sucks. Last century alone, we killed over 108 million of each other just in wars. Our mental health is teetering at an all-time low, and collectively, we're one big red nuke button away from ending it all. Of course, some of the most educated and successful men on earth are brandishing their statistics, telling us that we should just all calm down and quit being so damn spoiled. After all, look at the wonderful innovation and safety they have provided for us with our shiny screens and 5G and airplanes and whatnot. It's only from 40,000 feet up, though, that the stats look great. Not so much here at Ground Zero where my 17 little humans grind it out. Here, school, is where our society peels back the surface and listens to people in their purest. Kids. And their damn emotions. Here, at ground level, we find out that what humans wanted was never just better stats. 
It was never just less violence, more education, longer life expectancy, better health care, or fancier iPhones. It was never just to be more powerful, to consume more, or to be more comfy. Kids are but little humans who haven't forgotten who they are. We shouldn't forget. Something within the human spirit, untethered from the necessity of consumer culture, gives us joy, the energy and the drive to make our mark on the world. Carl Rogers described it as an actualizing tendency innate within each one of us. A kapok tree joyfully grows into what it's destined to become without ever taking a master class on how to be a good kapok tree. And so do we. I recently traveled to Haiti multiple times to do some aid work. Despite their being in absolute poverty, I was weirdly jealous of their joy. There they were, starving in the most undeveloped nation in the Western Hemisphere, holding a treasure in their spirits that I have not witnessed at scale in America since my childhood. Each time our group left, we all climbed back into our posh metal tube, opened our bag of pretzels, and hung our heads in sadness that we were leaving such joy-filled friends behind, headed back to the rat cage. Our collective societal joy is withering, and it cannot be replaced by fancy gadgets, better education, or even good counselors. Joy comes from within, and within is where we are suffering. Proof in the pudding. Adult white males are the most prosperous, powerful, and protected group in the United States, and yet they are 70% of our suicides. Turns out, there is more to being human. Up Against Limits Never Marry a Prostitute, Jay Leno in our misguided quest, our world has become obese, sickly obese. I don't mean individuals, the world, us, humanity is sick. The human collective is sickly out of balance from over-consuming. And inversely, we're starving, deficient from the nutrients that actually feed human psychosocial health. Overconsumption is ironically an indicator of scarcity. Development itself has addicted us to a lifestyle of production and consumption that is unsustainable for the planet and is ultimately killing us from the inside out. We are approaching 8 billion of us all wanting Ferraris and iPhones along with free time and healthy relationships to boot. The earth can't foot that bill anymore. There's only one way home, and that path is found in seeing our true selves from the inside out under the premise of a different narrative. Consider this. An adult human only needs a constant average of about 100 watts of energy to survive. That's amazing. It's like an old incandescent light bulb. And one-fourth of that is your brain, by the way. A typical hunter-gatherer was estimated to consume 250 watts of 100% renewable, organic, clean energy while hunting. By 1800, the average American was consuming a constant 3,000, but mostly from burning wood. Today, we consume over 11,000 watts of energy per person around the clock. 
which became an even bigger problem when the human population skyrocketed mid-last century. From 10,000 BC on until about 1000 AD, there was a stable about 250 million people. And then it began to creep up. By 1950, though, there were still only 1 billion people. And then, around 1950, the population exploded. And now we have 7.8 billion people. And our curve of energy consumption exponentially ramped up at about the same time in the middle of last century. Whereas it had held at a stable 5,000 terawatt hours for a couple of hundred years and began to rise at about 1900. But by 1950, we were still only using a global 20,000 terawatt hours. But today, in 2020, we're using 150,000 terawatt hours as it has completely spiked. Oil, coal, and natural gas still being the vast, vast majority of that energy use. At this pace, it would only take a couple of centuries before if we wanted renewable energy, we would need to cover the entire surface of Earth with solar panels just to keep up with the demand. This is why the richest man on Earth is currently spending billions to get us to Mars, insisting that a cold, dark, lifeless netherworld is the only way out of this conundrum. This is seriously a billionaire's idea of a getaway spot? So disappointing. Unfortunately, Energy consumption is only one dimension in which our narrative is up against limits. Another is material consumption. The 7.8 billion of us now devour 1.7 times the amount of total natural resources the Earth can produce in one year. And if everyone lived like Americans, we would need four to five Earths to satisfy our lifestyle. COVID-19 was the first reprieve in the last century that Mother Nature has gotten from our consumption. And while many of us lamented that 2020 was the worst year ever, she was taking a deep breath of less polluted air. Efficiency just cannot seem to keep up with our appetite. And it isn't just for energy or resources. The pinnacle of consumption is information, and our appetite for it is voracious. We are now inching closer to spending all of our waking hours consuming it. A source loopventures.com estimates that in 1900, we were at less than 10% of our waking hours were spent consuming information. By 1960, we were up to about 25% of waking hours reading, watching TV, consuming information. But by 2020, we're now at about 75% total for the developed world. But they say in developed markets like cities, that total is likely very close to 100%. Not only do we eat it more often, but the information itself we're now consuming is super ultra duper condensed and thick because we've compressed it and filtered it with computers and networks and compounding systems of people working round the clock and more and more educated people reading it. In concert with that, 20th century breakthroughs in computing capacity has done roughly this skyrocket. If you look at total global computing power, roughly, it was basically nothing up until about the year 2000. 
computing capacity increased a trillion fold from 1956 to 2015. The only things limiting our information consumption now are the number of hours in a day and our own biology. As Elon Musk said, the primary bottleneck of information traffic now is our thumbs and their ability to keep up as fast as our brain needs them to click. It's been a painful century for large thumbers. To offset these pathetically slow appendages, we just kept ramping up computing power. Now AI, artificial intelligence, is quickly becoming more intelligent than us, and most of the educated people on the subject indicate that we honestly don't know what will happen. The late genius Stephen Hawking said that AI will either be the best thing or the worst thing to ever happen to humanity. Comforting. So Elon, in a desperation attempt built Neuralink, a company bypassing our thumbs by merging our brains with AI via an implant. Their motto is, if you can't beat them, join them. We find ourselves in a strange conundrum of liking but hating the situation and definitely not feeling like we can do much about it. No one likes trashing the planet or feeling exhausted from the rat race, and no one person caused this. It's no one's fault. But here we are, in it together, weirdly stuck in cages on spinning wheels, doing it just to survive. Some are tired of hearing about it, so they pretend everything is great because of iPhones and DoorDash, but our spirit longs for more. Overconsumption is not an isolated issue, nor is it even the problem itself. It is but the visible outgrowth of it. It has roots and it has spiraling effects. It's connected to global wars, bioterror, nuclear bombs, systemic racism, people flying planes into buildings. The symptoms are too many to list because it is a whole body problem. The poor are stuck in spirals of poverty and the rich are stuck in spirals of wealth. Most people think it's easy being rich, because most people aren't rich. But the wealthiest people are the most concerned as they plan out their New Zealand bunkers and trips to Mars. They know that we're on this path. They can't outtick it, and there seems to be no answer other than to run and hide. But we can run look in the mirror. A 500-pound world. A century aboard this runaway train, we are now... 500 pound world. Imagine you knew someone who was 150 pounds overweight taking 12 different medications. One is for cholesterol, one is for blood pressure, one for depression, one for diabetes, and a handful to offset the side effects of the others. All their classic major vital signs are in check, and symptoms of all these diseases are controlled. This is the false picture of health that we can fool ourselves with. Imagine, the doctor hands you a lab sheet and says, Look, basic vital signs look great. Just keep up your pills, quit worrying, and go drink a beer. Cholesterol's at 170. Blood pressure, 130 over 80. Pulse at 82. Weight, still 500 pounds. This guy knows something is wrong. Homeostasis is the key marker of human health. 
Everyone desires it right down to our hormonal glands and temperature regulators. Homeostasis is the balance of all systems working together in order and it scales far beyond our individual physicality. An individual human only has true health if the human system he is connected to is in balance. And when that human system is out of balance, so are we. Homeostasis for the human collective looks like peace, justice, balance, and stability. And we are anything but a stable, balanced collective of peace and justice. From 40,000 feet, we may appear controlled to some, but let's take a deeper look at humanity's vital signs. Exhibit A, United States, the wealthiest nation on Earth where I live. Where else on Earth displays more dissonance between ground level and 40,000 feet? It's the wealthiest nation on Earth, except if the wealth were divided up. 1% would own about 40%, 9% of the population would own another 40%, and then 30% of the population would own about a third, and then 20% of the population would own a size about the size of Texas, and 40% would own a little red dot the size of Houston. So, a bit of dissonance. Maybe we should expect this. After all, we have the best university system in the world matched by the highest student loan debt ratios. Let's look at where America's progress has us. Physical health. Life expectancy is up eight years since 1960. Tobacco use is down. Ground level, though, two-thirds of adults are overweight and one-third are obese. We spent $32 billion on sweets in 2018 and $60 billion on dieting programs. Healthcare now costs us over $3 trillion, approaching 20% of GDP, and life expectancy hit a ceiling in 2015, dropping each year since. These are the first drops in life expectancy since the 1918 Spanish flu outbreak. Financial health. 40,000 feet up. The stock market is hitting an all-time high. Uh, total wealth is busting records even after the initial COVID outbreak of 2020. Before COVID, unemployment was down to its lowest in 50 years, and America remains a perched atop the global economy. But on the ground level, as I said, 1% of the population owns 40% of the wealth and is raking it in. Every passing year, if you're in the bottom 90%, then $17,000 of your money ultimately transfers to people who are already worth over $8.5 million. For the rest of us, 40% of us have zero savings and revolving credit card debt averaging $16,000. One out of five of our children live in poverty. Relational health. 40,000 feet. Well, I looked and I can't find any cheery stats on relational or mental health. But at the ground level, here's what's happening. Even before COVID, 42% of us reported chronic loneliness, an all-time high. 42%. Marriage rates are at an all-time low in the modern era, and three of my 21 students share the last name of both of their parents, while study after study continues to show that children in two-parent households fare the best. Mental health, ground level, one-fifth of us, 29% of women, are on psychotropic medications. 
One-tenth of us are alcoholics who drink an average of 50 to 70 drinks per week. Suicide is now the second leading cause of death in teens. Over one million of us self-harmed last year. If you're reading this, you and your friends may be doing fine for yourselves. After all, you are literate. You are presumably in a safe place. You are nerdy enough that you read in your spare time or listen to podcasts, and you have spare time, but the collective is suffering. On the ground level, we are trying to live up to the shiny exterior. Every once in a while, we get a strange spark of life when a natural disaster like a hurricane breaks out. Despite the devastation, the majority of survivors bond together to find all this meaning and purpose schmaz, helping each other through the chaos. They weather the storm together, hand in hand, but then they rebuild and most go back to their old lives. And many report being weirdly jealous of those days where life was an adventure and people cared. But we have a script to follow so we give up on living out epic stories and submit once again to punching the clock the progress paradox one reason so many billionaires are planning their underground bunkers and trips to mars is because they can so clearly see the following paradox that renders them pessimistic at best or hopeless at worst many of them actually became wealthy believing they were bringing hopeful solutions to the world until their solutions turned into monsters. It goes like this. Progress. In 1900, the average farmer could grow 25 bushels of corn per acre. Now, she can grow 175 bushels. Paradox. The average American now consumes 7 pounds of actual corn and 42 pounds of corn syrup each year. Progress. In 1900, diabetes meant a 10-year-old child could expect to live one more year. Now, a 10-year-old child with diabetes can expect to live over 60 more years. Paradox. The diabetes rate since 1900 has soared tenfold, largely because of poor diet. Now 30 million Americans are spending $322 billion a year to manage a disease that still cuts eight years off their life progress. In 1900, 1.6 billion people didn't own a car. Yes, that was pretty much everybody. But humans went to work and created billions of them so people could have a ride. But the paradox? Now, about 6 billion people still do not own a car, while a mere fraction of the population is pumping record greenhouse gases into their atmosphere. If I were them, I'd be pissed. Progress. Even though we couldn't get everybody a car, nor should we have since global concentration of CO2 is at about 430 parts per million, we have almost gotten all of them cell phones. As of 2019, over 5 billion humans owned one. Paradox? 95% of parents in developing countries have been polled and said they are worried about the ill effects cell phones are having on their children who are fast becoming addicted to gaming and social media. Progress. The healthcare community has recently mapped the human genome, created the first catheter-based artificial heart valve, developed a vaccine for the Ebola virus, pioneered robotic surgery, and 3D printed custom artificial limbs. Paradox? 
Half of American bankruptcies are caused directly by medical bills. It is the same tired story. We produce awesomeness and then turn and stab our eyes out with it. We discover nuclear energy and instead of creating enough electricity to power the world, we build enough bombs to destroy the world. We create plastic and it ends up in the garbage as garbage in the oceans. Google Pacific Garbage Patch if you dare. We design life-saving EpiPens and then begin price gouging. We lower violent crime, but suicides are at an all-time high. We are finally getting others to stop killing us, only for us to be killing ourselves. We are more safe than ever, but less secure. We are more educated than ever, but less certain. We are more networked than ever, but less connected. We have more cures, but are less healthy. Each time we create new technology, we look like Clark Griswold, so proud of his giant Christmas tree, only to realize it won't fit in his living room, has a squirrel in it, and almost burns the entire house down. Solutions that have created problems that beckon more solutions that empower us to create more problems. It's not that technology isn't awesome, it's that we're not awesome, and it's the human collective we. It's not that we individuals aren't awesome. Face it, you're awesome. It's that we believe the wrong story. It wasn't our fault. The wrong story has worked for thousands of years. It's the only story we were given. But it never fails to spawn this predictable pattern. A four-year-old makes a cool thing and says, Hey guys, look at this cool thing I made. Want it? A 34-year-old says, hey guys, look at this cool thing I made. Want to buy it? Which scales into a predictable pattern. A garage software creator creates a disease-curing algorithm and saves the world with it. A corporate software creator creates a disease-curing algorithm and frisks the world for it, putting them on a payment plan. <laughs> Over time, that story has led the human collective to become slightly more powerful than good. A slightly that adds up to major disasters like climate change and mass starvation when you multiply it by billions of people for thousands of years. I don't know if a 500-pound man will die of heart disease, diabetes, cancer, or something else. But I do know that if he does not change, he will die faster than he should. And I don't know if a 500-pound world will die of climate change or mass extinctions or AI or nuclear war, but I do know that it will die if it continues this narrative. This cannot and will not be the way our story ends, because we are better than this. It's as if we're being driven by a force that wishes us to live as long as possible, produce as much as possible, consume as much as possible, and yet have as little of joy, freedom, and quality of life as possible. Because we are. This is going to take a while, so take a deep breath, relax, and let's go all the way back to the beginning.